We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, good morning and let's continue in prayer. I just want to pray this morning um, as well for, for those who are travelling around this Easter, everybody, but especially those who are part of our church family, Lord. We, we pray that you'd watch over them and keep them safe. Um, as they are not with us this morning, Lord, I still pray that they would be um, just as aware of your presence uh, and the significance of this day, Lord. And uh, we pray ultimately that you bring them back safe to us. Uh, Father, we pray uh, in this season, we thank you this morning that we could sing. We thank you for the progress uh, against, I guess, the pandemic in this nation, Lord. But we do continue to pray for our world um, and especially for those nations that are not in such a good situation. We pray that you would bring an end to this health crisis, Lord. Uh, and we pray for those who are um, sick locally and are part of our church family as well, Lord. We pray that you bring them healing um, as the, the cross and resurrection speak uh, of your power. We pray that um, those we love who are unwell uh, today would be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, so this morning I want to declare that God's Word is more than enough. Amen? Amen. Um, sometimes when we come to a moment like Easter or, or Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as a preacher it feels a bit like, oh, you know, what are we, what are we going to say this time around? It, it's it's uh, kind of the topic is set uh, to a degree. Although I have to confess when I text Russell the, the reading so that he could practice, I gave him the right uh, chapter and verses but the wrong book. Uh, so Russell was probably thinking for a few days, oh, he's not even going to talk about Easter uh, this morning. Um, but so as a preacher, kind of like, oh, what am I, what am I going to bring? What am I going to add to it this morning? But, but I, I, I just want to declare, well, God's Word is more than enough. I've got a few reflections, a few things to, to say about God's Word this morning. But, but as we come to the power of the resurrection, God's Word's enough. We don't need to bring anything. We don't need to add anything to it. It's enough. And so I encourage you to have that declaration this morning for yourself. God's Word is more than enough. It's all that I need. And so when we're talking about God's Word, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that passage from 1 Corinthians 15, that Russell read, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, talking about the gospel and the cross and the resurrection, uh, elsewhere in his letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he has got a much shorter version of what the gospel is. He, he says to Timothy, remember... Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. So for Paul in the early church, if you were to distill the gospel down to one thing, it was that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, of course, the, the resurrection assumes that there's been a death, that there's been a suffering and a death if there's going to be a resurrection. But, but if they've got one thing to say, one last thing to say about what is the good news about Jesus, it's that he was raised from the dead. As Daniel said this morning, everyone can die. Now, there's something different about Jesus' death, and we know that, but, but the power of the good news is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And, and for most people, this is the most preposterous claim of the Christian faith. Uh, for some, Jesus is a good man, uh, someone who, who shared wisdom and, and, and has some good stuff to say about loving other people. 
Uh, for some, even that Jesus was, was a martyr. He, he, he was a man who died for a good cause, for, you know, at the consequence of kind of religious legalism and, and tyrannical empire. For some, that's who Jesus is, and, and they can't quite leap to belief in the resurrection. But as C.S. Lewis says, Jesus hasn't given us that opportunity to believe in a good man who wasn't God. It was either a crazy nutter who had some outlandish things to say about himself or he was God. And the scriptures give us no space to remove the resurrection of Jesus from it. They speak of this as a historical event. And so that's the thing I want to encourage us around this morning is that the resurrection of Jesus is and was an event that occurred in the history of this planet, this real universe that we live in, this thing happened. And what that means is our faith isn't anchored in myth or story or theory or or high-minded ideas. There's a whole bunch of that around it, but, but our faith is anchored in the cross and the historical truth of the resurrection. And that's what Paul's getting to in 1 Corinthians 15. In verses 3 and 4 of what Russ read for us, it says, For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's, that's Peter, uh, Peter and Cephas both mean rock in different languages, and then to the twelve, and, and, and then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about all these other people that saw him, that culminates in 500 people seeing him. And, and Paul actually leaves out in this record the women that saw him alive first. And so Paul is speaking of this as an event that happened in history, and he actually says in that passage that many of those people are still alive. Of course, not today, but when he wrote it. And so he claimed this to be a historical event. He said these people are still alive. He said, you can go and fact check this if you want. This wasn't something that he came up with later, that the the believers came up with later and said, let's tell everyone that he rose from the dead. That'll be a good story. And no one can go and check it because everyone that was alive then was dead. Now they claimed this as historical fact. There's eyewitness accounts. In fact, the Gospels tell us that the first people to see Jesus alive were were women. And in the culture of the day, if you wanted someone to believe a story that you'd made up, you would never have the women be central to giving witness to that. Now, I don't believe that's the view of the Bible because it includes them. But that's why Paul, if, he, if he's making a historical claim here, he's, he's focusing on the others. And so the, 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 the only reason you would record that women were the first to see Jesus alive in the culture of the day is that's what actually happened. It doesn't add credence to your story if it's made up. We're told that Jesus appeared to Peter and the disciples and to 500 people. There's records outside of the Bible of, of this thing happening in Jerusalem that, that this... this Uh, Jesus is claimed to be risen from the dead. It's not actually a story they would have made up. Now we do have in the Gospels that that Jesus told them, essentially, I will raise from the dead on the third day, but they only remembered that afterwards because it didn't make sense to them before. 
It's not a story that they would have made up. On top of that, we have an empty tomb. It's more ridiculous to assume, as some claim, that maybe Jesus didn't die. He, he was just really, really kind of unwell after being nailed to a cross and speared in the side and, and that he kind of woke up a little bit later on without any medical attention and somehow, in his sickly state, rolled away a stone and, and you know, pushed his way through the Roman guards that were there. That actually takes a bit more faith to believe that than he rose from the dead for my opinion. But this event happened in the context where, where the Romans and the Jewish leadership were, were totally against this, this Jesus thing growing. They tried to kill him, well they did kill him, to put an end to it. So to put an end to this new story that Jesus rose from the dead, all they'd have to do is produce his body. But they couldn't because there wasn't a body anymore. And Jesus had been seen by so many people in his life that if they produced a fake body, then there would have been too many people say, well, that's not him. On top of that, we have the fact that that many of those that claimed to have seen Jesus resurrected, risen from the dead, died rather than deny that that was the truth. As Peter put it in Acts chapter 4, we cannot stop speaking about what we have heard and what we have seen. On top of that, we have the rapid growth of Christianity in, in the early church. Something happened that turned this culture that was completely against Jesus into this groundswell of a movement that put their faith in him. And so we can trust today, even though it was 2,000 years ago, give or take, we can trust today that this happened. Even those that don't believe in Jesus, uh, historians will say something must have happened. Maybe they don't get there to to the faith that we might have, but, but there is so much credibility to such a preposterous claim, the only thing that stops you know, a historian believing in that is that it, it doesn't fit their grid. But we can trust that this happened. And so what I want to suggest this morning that this happened and it's the day that changed absolutely everything. We've been talking about uh, trans, being transformed this year in lots of different ways. And, and so this day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the day that changed Everything. We all love a good com- comeback story, in Australia at least. I don't know if that's part of the culture el- elsewhere, but, but we all love a good comeback story. And so this is the greatest reversal in history, in eternity, eternity in fact. Because without the resurrection, the cross is defeat. Without the resurrection, the cross is just a death. It's a loss. It's another noble attempt to overthrow religious abuses and evil, but but it's a failed attempt without the resurrection. That's later in 1 Corinthians 15, the, the Apostle Paul even says this. He says in verse 12, But if we preach that Christ had been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
Even in that early day, there was those who were going, oh, I don't know if I can buy this resurrection thing. But Paul says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. He comes back to this point in verse 17 and he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. And so the resurrection turns crushing defeat into glorious victory. Because if we're just clinging to a story of a dead man, then our faith is worthless, especially 2,000 years later. If we're just a group of people clinging to the story of a a man who died 2,000 years ago, what Paul says is true of us. We're to be pitied. What a pathetic group of people we would be if we gathered together weekly, if we sang songs about someone who died 2,000 years ago who stayed dead. But in verse 20, Paul says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so Jesus' resurrection transforms us from pathetic to trusting in a resurrected Savior. The resurrection transforms the message of the cross from defeat to victory. It's the day that changed everything. It changed Jesus' death to victory. It's his personal victory over death. In Acts chapter 2, 24, uh, Peter speaking says this, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's who we have faith in, not a 2,000-year-old dead man, but we have faith in one who has conquered death, who's victorious over death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It changed Jesus' death to victory. It also transformed his disciples, his followers at the time. Uh, We're told in the Gospels that when the soldiers marched out to arrest Jesus, pretty well after Peter had his moment cutting uh, one of the guards' ears off with a sword uh, and Jesus healed that, then they pretty well all just ran and scattered. And we're told that Peter, when given opportunity to identify himself as a follower of Jesus three times, said, no, that's not me. They weren't what we would call a courageous bunch of people at this point. But the resurrection transformed the scattered and scared disciples into those who who stood before the religious leaders and, and the Roman opposition and said, we cannot stop speaking about this. It transformed the scattered and scared to courageous proclaimers of the resurrection. And so it was a transformation for Jesus. It was a big change, death to a life for Jesus. It was a big change for his disciples. But, but our own lives are transformed by the resurrection. It's not just Jesus' personal victory. It's not just uh, something that impacted those who lived 2,000 years ago to see it. But it's something that impacts us as well. And so the resurrection is not just like this little ripple through history. 
it's more like a tsunami that has completely turned everything upside down for all of history, not just history, but eternity. The resurrection of Jesus is the day that changed everything for you and me. Our our lives today are transformed by the resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, that's where I got Romans from, Russ. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul's reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus and and he says in verse 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. And so the, the Apostle Paul here is saying that when we put our faith in Jesus and, and when that faith is symbolized by baptism, it's like we've been buried with Jesus. And so just as he was raised from the dead, we too are raised from the dead here and now. We get to live a new life here and now. The transformation of the re- resurrection in our life here and now is just as dramatic as the reversal of the resurrection. The resurrection is the seal of everything that the cross has accomplished for us. It's, it's the seal of the forgiveness, the peace, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's where elsewhere it says, don't you know that the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you now? And so the resurrection transforms our life today. We trust in Jesus, and so we are resurrected now. Our life is transformed from death to life now. But not just this life. It's not just a tsunami that's turned this life on its head from death to life. It's the opposite of what a normal tsunami does. It's, it's, a, it's a tsunami that's transformed our hope for eternity. In verse 5 of Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so the Apostle Paul in those two verses is saying the resurrection life is a now thing. But it's also something that we will experience in the future, just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus experienced a real death and a real resurrection, we will ultimately experience a real death and a real bodily resurrection. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, he puts it like this. Just to read verse 19 again, it says, If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead for the first fruits, sorry, as the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as Adam, as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul's reflecting on, on that original sin where through Adam and Eve's sin we're all sentenced to death. And so just as one man's actions can sentence us all to death, the action of Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, bring us life. And he goes on. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, 
those who belong to him. Christ as the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And so Jesus' resurrection hasn't just turned this life upside down for the better, it's the hope of our own resurrection. He is the first fruits, he is the promise that we have that though we may face death in this life, when he comes, when he returns, when history is rolled up, those who belong to him will be raised. We'll all be made alive and we'll all be transformed. The Apostle Paul goes on towards the end of chapter 15 to talk about this moment. And so as we celebrate the historical resurrection of Jesus this morning, I want us to fix our eyes on the future hope that we have because of that. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In verse 51, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, he means death by that, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. That's those who are still alive when he comes. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortal. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so my question to leave you with this morning as our team come, and we're going to celebrate in song the resurrection one more time. My question for us to sit with is, how will you respond? What's your response to the event of the resurrection this morning? As you think about that, I want to ask you, do you belong to him? We're told that those that belong to Jesus through faith will be raised to spend eternity with him. And so today is a day I invite you to ask that question. Do you belong to him? If you're not so sure, then it's really quite simple to make sure. To simply pray, to turn from sin and turn your life over to Jesus. To say, I'm yours. Do you have this hope? And if you do, and you think, well, how do I respond? Yeah, I've ticked that box. It's not just a box to tick. But you think, I, I, I have this hope. I belong to him. Then I, I, I want to finish with the last verse of 1 Corinthians 15 this morning as we reflect on how, how should we respond as followers of Jesus to the truth of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. And so this morning, Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we want to say we, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We take this moment to repent of our sin. That just means we acknowledge it before you. We turn from it, Lord. And we ask for your forgiveness through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. We want to declare that that we belong to you. We pray that by your spirit you would help us to live in the reality of the resurrected life here and now. We pray that our confident hope in our own resurrection, promised to us through the resurrection of Jesus, would be strong and secure this morning. I pray that this hope would be an anchor for our souls that through it we would be enabled to stand firm, to let nothing move us, and to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord in the knowledge that though we may not see its fruit in this life, that there is a life to come and that our labour will never be in vain. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.